Coming up on the Midco Sports Network podcast, Mike Dom, who just finished one of the most remarkable college hoops careers in South Dakota State history, joins me to discuss a variety of different topics, including TJ Otzelberger taking the head coaching job at UNLV, David Jenkins reopening his recruitment, and what Mike himself is doing to prepare for the NBA draft. A lot of it is just going to be trying to perform game-realistic shots, you know, making sure that my range is in you know still continuing to increase so i can shoot you know from way beyond the arc and uh, things like that are just kind of my main focus right now welcome to the midco sports network podcast presented by avera orthopedics here's david brown and welcome to the midco sports network podcast i am david brown and we are fortunate enough today to be joined by Mike Dom. Of course, Dom, well-known around these parts, just wrapped up a fantastic hoops career at South Dakota State, ends as the school's all-time leading score, more than 3,000 career points, three-time Summit League Player of the Year. The accolades go on and on. But we wanted to get him on this podcast to not only talk about the past and the legacy he leaves at South Dakota State, but also the future, what he's doing right now to prepare for the NBA draft and a professional basketball career. But we also touch on a wide variety of topics that I think will be of interest to you guys. We get his thoughts on TJ Otzelberger, his old head coach leaving SDSU to become the head coach at UNLV. We get Dom's thoughts on David Jenkins reopening his recruitment. We get his thoughts on Matt Mooney, the South Dakota graduate transfer who ended up at Texas Tech and made a run all the way to the national championship game. Some very interesting thoughts from Dom on all those topics, plus some fun topics. You will get to hear his world-famous Borat impression, and you will also get to hear who would win a three-point contest, slam dunk contest, and one-on-one game between him and one of his best friends, Reed Tellinghues. And now just a forewarning, we taped this podcast on April 17th. Who knows what kind of news has happened between now and then, but just for context and clarity, we recorded this podcast on the afternoon of April 17th. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Dom. And welcome once again to the Midco Sports Network podcast. David Brown here, happy to be joined by Mike Dom. South Dakota State's all-time leading scorer, Summit League's all-time leading scorer, one of only 10 players in NCAA history to have more than 3,000 points in a career. And Mike, kind enough to join us now as, of course, you're getting ready for a professional basketball career. But I think the most important question that people have been asking me forever is, how many Dominator burgers at Applebee's have you eaten so far? <laughs> Man, that is a great question. Um I'm not going to lie. I've only eaten there a couple times so far. So the burgers are, are pretty filling, and uh, I don't know if my uh, my agent would be too fond of me gaining a couple pounds from eating too many of those things. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the Dominator Burger, which replaced the Otzel Burger, by the way, two third-pound patties, cheese, sautéed onions. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting something on there. But but how much input did you have in creating your burger? Um, I had a, I had a good amount. Um, you know, the guy there was, uh, was like, what do you want on it? And I, you know, the signature thing I wanted to make sure I got on it was that fried egg, but, uh, I had a decent amount of work into it. And, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty good burger. That was what I was forgot. The fried egg, the fried egg is what, uh, puts it over the top. And of course you being the objective person that you are, how much better is the dominator burger than the Otzel burger? Oh man. You know, it's it's way better. Um, nothing against Coach Otz, but, uh, you know, I think I'm a little more creative with mine, and I think uh, it tastes a lot better. Now, obviously, TJ, when he was here, did a little commercial work. So what are your acting skills like compared to, to your old coach? 
they uh they're one of a kind i would say you know tj's got some personality but i think i uh i uh outshine him a little bit when it comes to the commercials and, and being on camera <laughs> yeah i was gonna say since technically you're not a student athlete anymore can you do commercials for them now or do you plan on doing commercials or are you just gonna let the print ad speak for itself Nope, I, uh, I actually have filmed a couple commercials, and uh, I'm sure they'll be coming out soon and, and people will be able to see them. But I'm able to do all of that. It's it's, uh, it's a lot of fun work, but, uh, you know, I'm excited for all of it. Very, very cool. So there you go, people. I've, I've only seen the, the print ads and the stuff on, like, Facebook and social media stuff. But, people, be on the lookout. There will be TV commercials featuring the Dominator Burger at Applebee's. So nice little pub there for Applebee's. So... Obviously, when we're on the subject of TJ Otzelberger, I'm sure people want to know. You gave a very, you know, complimentary and nice post on social media, Twitter, all your channels. But just curious, what was your initial reaction when you heard that TJ was going to take the uh, head coaching job at UNLV? I think my initial reaction was kind of a sigh of relief that I don't have to be the one to go through a process of getting a new head coach. But, uh, you know, I'm so, so happy and so excited for TJ and his family. You know, he deserves you know, everything he's about to get. And, uh, you know, he's taken over a, a program that's had a bunch of success in the past. And, you know, I think I think Coach Otts will be a guy to, you know, return them to that kind of time frame again. Did, did you ever get a, a sense or an inkling? I know, obviously, you weren't going to be on the team next year, but did you ever get a sense that, that something like this might happen? I definitely did. Um, you know, not really, you know, I didn't really think about it till the end of the season, but, you know, the kind of success coach was able to come in and have here in such a short amount of time um, is what, you know, people look for. They look for coaches to be able to come into a program and uh, take them and elevate them. And I think that's exactly what Coach Otz exemplified while he was here at SDSU. So for head coaches to see that and uh, or other, you know, other staffs to see that and uh, him to able to, you know, get a job right away like that is something I kind of had a feeling of. And, you know, once again, I'm just super excited for him and his success. Obviously, that announcement comes early in the morning, and then, honestly, a couple hours later, South Dakota State announces they're going to elevate Eric Henderson to head coach. What did you think of, of how quickly that decision was made, and what was your personal relationship like with Hendo? Yeah, my relationship with, with Hendo was uh, one of a kind for sure. Um, you know, he came in right away and became my bigs coach. So um, we definitely got to know each other right away. And, uh, you know, I thought the hire was made, you know, it was made fast, but I think it was the best hire they could have made. You know, it's a, it's a group of guys that are super close net. And um, I think just being able to keep that job, you know, in the same system under a guy that everyone knows and everyone has a great relationship with, you know, coach, coach Henderson is going to be able to take over that program and he's fully invested at SDSU and he's going to be able to, you know, continue to elevate the success level at SDSU. What, did you ever get a sense from, from your teammates that they approved of the fact that Hendo was elevated? Oh, they definitely did. Um, you know, when they first when they first said that Coach Otz was leaving, I you know, I got a bunch of FaceTimes. I needed to make sure that I was still taking care of my young guys just because I know it is something uh, of a tough process to go through, you know, when you lose a head coach uh, that you have such a great relationship with. And uh, I needed to make sure that I was there calming those guys down. And, you know, those guys did a great job of just sticking together. Um, and that's kind of the thing the theme that I gave them because that's something, you know, that me, Reed, Skyler, Tevin, those guys all went through when, when coach Nagy left was just stick together, you know, trust your roots, trust the, the school that you invested in and they invested in you. And um, I know those guys were definitely relieved when coach Hendo was signed. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question, which is what you alluded to. You were initially recruited by Scott Nagy, and then, of course, he left. He took the head coaching job at Wright State after your redshirt freshman season. 
And I remember that when TJ was hired, you told me at his introductory press conference that most of the guys, yourself included, were planning on staying. It's obviously all a matter of personal preference, but a, a couple questions. Did you initially think you were going to transfer after Scott Nagy left, no matter who SDSU hired? And what about TJ made you and some of the other guys want to stay at SDSU? Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, personally, I, I definitely thought that I was going to transfer um, right after Coach Nagy left. And I know that, you know, right after that happened, you know, we kind of met as a team and all of us were like, like, go around the room. What are your plans? What do we want to do? So a lot of us said, you know what, I think we're going to explore our options to transfer. Um, but I think a bulk of us kind of came together and said, you know what, you know, let's hear this out. Let's see what kind of coaches they bring in for these one-on-one meetings with us. Let's let's kind of get a relationship to see, you know, if there is any possibility of us staying. So, you know, the day Coach Otts came in, um, the biggest thing that he had down was just the relationships. And he was, you could just tell the dude was willing to build a relationship with you, with your family, outside of anything going on in basketball. I mean, he came in and he was hilarious. He, you know, had all our, our, all our stuff on Twitter and Instagram and he was cracking jokes and you could just kind of tell that he was such a genuine dude um, from the get go. And, you know, basketball literally wasn't even the, wasn't even really the first thing he talked about. He just talked about, you know, us building a relationship, us sticking this out together, you know, and he's like, if you guys hire me, he's like, you know, this is nothing but a family feel. And uh, the biggest thing that I got from him is he's down for you. He's down for wherever he's at. And I mean, he's willing to do literally anything to take care of his guys, his, his coaching staff, his community. And I think that was one of the biggest things that kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, this guy's really here for us. and He's really wanting the best for all of us. So, you know, there's no reason to leave. And, uh, you know, I think that's when we all got together as a team and pretty much said, if Otz is the one who hired, then we're all staying here and let's let's stick it out. Very, very cool to hear. And and now, of course, as is typical with the coaching change, as you mentioned, you know, some guys stay, other guys are going to look elsewhere. And a couple of, I guess you would technically call it, former teammates of yours have indicated plans to transfer. Ryan Krieger, David Jenkins, obviously the one most outsiders are focused on is Jenkins just because of how great he was for you guys these past couple of seasons, the production. Like your post for TJ, you publicly supported David Jenkins on Twitter and all the social media channels when he announced that he was reopening his recruitment. When's the last time you had a conversation with David Jenkins? What are his feelings like right now? I know he put SDSU kind of in his his top seven right now as he limits his schools down, but but what's it like for him as, as he's essentially being recruited all over again? Yeah, um, I talked to him a couple of days ago, and, uh, you know, it's it's tough for him. You know, you build a relationship with a head coach, and, and he's, a you know, a key component of why you go to a school, why you fall in love with that school. So, you know, when someone like that and you build that close of a relationship with someone takes off, you know, it does make you question, like, ah, you know, was this was, was he the only reason I came here, or were there other outside, you know, components that factor into my decision? Um, and ultimately, you know, I know, I know DJ is a guy who has aspirations to play at the next level. And, um, you know, you see guys like Matt Mooney and what he was able to do when he transferred away to a school like that. Um, you know, you got to just do what's best for you, I think, at the end of the day. And uh, you got to be willing to, you know, kind of shut off all the outside noise, worry about, you know, what's going on with you, your family, and take care of, you know, taking care of what's best for you. So for DJ, I think what is best for him is, you know, kind of exploring his options right now, whether that would be to come back to SDSU or to, you know, look at transferring. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's up to him, and he knows he has the support, you know, wherever he goes. You know, you're always going to have the community of Jackrabbits backing you just because of, you know, your involvement here for a couple of years. So for him, I know it's going to be a tough decision, um, but I think he's going to do what's best for him. 
Right. And obviously you mentioned how when Nagy first moved on and before TJ was hired, you admitted you were looking elsewhere. And of course, you dealt with the questions all last season because you could graduate transfer if you wanted to. And as you've kind of established, everyone kind of has a different decision making process. So at first you declared for the draft and then you announced a short time later you were going to come back to SDSU. Were there any serious considerations last offseason on playing your final year at a different school? Not at all. Um, it's actually funny. You know, I've had people ask me that. And I actually thought about transferring more when Coach Nagy first left than I even did grad transferring. Um, the relationship, you know, that I built with Coach Otts was definitely, you know, one of the best relationships I think I've built with a head coach in all of my life. And uh, he was a, a huge reason for me coming back because the dude is so invested, um, you know, in the guys and, and just in making sure that he's taking care of them that that was something I couldn't leave. And then my relationship with my teammates is, you know, something that's always been super important to me, no matter what team I've been a part of. I've always, you know, wanted to make sure that we're all in this together. You know, it doesn't matter our personal agendas. We push those to us to the side because at the end of the day, you know, when you get your team to buy into something, everything that you want personally always comes along with it. So for me, the relationships I built with my teammates were something that I couldn't just, you know, leave for leave for one year. I wanted to stick it out with those guys who've been there with me the whole way. Um, stick it out with the coaching staff who has been there with me, you know, for a couple of years now. And then uh, that was ultimately came down to my decision. And it was an easy decision for me to stay at SDSU for my final year. Now, obviously, the season just wrapped up and, and you alluded to him a little bit earlier. Former competitor of yours, Matt Mooney, from his time at South Dakota, you know, obviously just had a tremendous season for Texas Tech, leading them all the way to the national championship game where they fell to Virginia. What was it like seeing someone you regularly competed against the past couple seasons play on a big stage for a national title and and you can be honest were you rooting for him to win I definitely was um you know it's awesome to see a guy like that a guy that you know you do have a a tough competitive relationship with you know you just at the end of the day guys like that you just have respect for um you know you respect how hard they play you respect the rivalry that you kind of built up between that guy but at the end of the day man you're you're rooting to see you know guys that you know uh, go on and continue to have success so for me, all season long, you know, I thought he made a great decision to uh, to grad transfer and leave. You know, I know he still has a bunch of support at USD, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, it shows, uh, you know, the pride that they have in their community and people who have come through that school. So for him to, you know, kind of make a tough decision on his part, too, and, and leave and go to another school, um, you know, I thought he, you know, once again, just made the best decision for himself. And, you know, it proved to be true. He was playing for a national title, which is kind of what he said when he first grad transferred. Um, and it was it was awesome to follow along his season, uh, follow along his success. And I know he definitely helped himself in the long run for, uh, you know, continuing to play after college. You you had just mentioned how you really didn't give any thoughts to grad transferring just because of what you had at South Dakota State and your relationship with, with Coach Otts and with your teammates. But I guess I have to ask, did Mooney's success at Texas Tech give you any sense of, I don't want to say regret, I don't think regret's the right word, but maybe some buyer's remorse at not exploring options, just seeing how well Mooney did going to a different school? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, but no, it definitely didn't. You know, uh, for me, how I've been raised, uh, how my parents have taught me, you know, when you start something at a place, you finish it there. Um, and I definitely took a lot of pride in you know, sticking it out at SDSU, you know, no matter the outcome, you know, whether we would have had, you know, the best season at SDSU or we would have had the worst season at SDSU. I think I would have enjoyed every single minute of it. Um, but, you know, like I said, just watching his success was awesome to see. You know, I was definitely rooting for him. But at the same time, I have, you know, no regret, no buyer's remorse about any of that. I'm, I'm so, so glad that, you know, I had the opportunity to spend 
you know, all five years here at SDSU really build relationships that I, I know will last a lifetime. And of course, as you mentioned, it didn't matter if you guys had the best season or worst season in school history. Obviously, the last season didn't end the way you wanted it to, being upset in the first round of the Summit League tournament against Western, then losing the first round of the NIT to Texas. By the way, Texas, for people who don't know, they ended up winning the NIT. So it's not like you, you lost to anyone. You lost to the team that ended up winning the NIT championship. And I, I promise I'm not trying to dwell on the negative, but I guess what exactly <laughs> what exactly happened in that Western Illinois game? Just because I think pretty much everyone was shocked. Yeah, Um you know, it's funny. I, I look back on it and, you know, just how thankful, you know, I was to, you know, go through that experience, be be humbled by be humbled by everything that happened. Um, you know, Western Illinois was a great basketball team. You know, they came out with a lot more uh, energy than we did. I think they came out with a lot more intensity than we did. Um, and for us, you know, it's, it's hard to play a team three times in a year. It really is. Um, you know, you have to switch things up a little bit. And I thought we kind of came out just a little bit lackadaisical. Um, but those guys, you know, were ready for the challenge and uh, they were excited to get going. And, uh, you know, when I look back at the game, you know, it's tough to see. You wish you could go back, but at the same time, you can never go back. You got to just keep moving forward. Um, you know, it was a tough time going through that week of just, you know, not playing for a Summit League championship where, you know, in the past that I feel like that's all we've, you know, that's for me personally, I've I've been able to get to that game every single year. So for me, it was definitely a humbling experience, but, you know, I'm, I'm, happy that I was able to still go through that process with my teammates because I know that you know those are still memories that I'll never get back all right we'll focus on the positives now I promise so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll just look back on on your career in total uh mention that you're one of only 10 players in division one basketball history to eclipse 3,000 points you finished with 3,067 career points as of now you're seventh all time you're ahead of guys like Oscar Robertson Larry Bird did you ever imagine a world where this was honestly possible not at all. Um, and, you know, it's funny. Every time someone says anything about it, I think it starts to resonate more in my head as, of just how crazy it was. Um, you know, for me personally, I still think that when I'm older, I'll be able to look back on it and, and think it's pretty cool, the accomplishments. You know, me currently, I'm still just trying to get to my next step, you know, workouts and things going on right now. And I'm excited for everything that's happening in the future. But, you know, when I have time to kind of look back and reflect, it was it was amazing. But you know, for me, it, it shouldn't be, you know, just my name that's up on those on those leaderboards. It's all my teammates' names. It's the coaches I've had. It's my parents. It's my, you know, friends and family who have supported me along this whole way just because, you know, those are the guys that have helped put me in the position to, you know, reach those goals. So it's never just been about me. It's always, you know, it's always been about everything that's going on around me and me, you know, just making sure that I acknowledge the people who have really, you know, helped me get to where I am today. What is your fondest memory specifically on the court basketball-wise at SDSU? Is it, is it a game, a practice, a moment, but, but something I'll ask you about off the court, but specifically on the court, what's your favorite game practice time on the floor at SDSU? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, I feel like I have a million memories that I could go over. Um, I would say one of the biggest, you know, funnest, most amazing memories, I would say, would be my freshman year and the first time winning that Summit League uh, championship. Um, you know, it's something that I've never really experienced before the, you know, the level of division one basketball that we were playing at was super high that year. And, uh, I think it was just, you know, something that unbelievable, my first real big, like championship I've ever won. And I would say that that was definitely, you know, one of the best memories because that team we had that year was something special. Um, you know, the relationships I built with those guys was super strong. And I think that, 
you know, when I look back on it, just playing in those games was crazy. Uh, they called us, you know, the heart attack jacks that year. And I, I know we were keeping everyone on their toes um, with super close games, but I, I would definitely say that that championship that year was, was one of the best memories I've had at SDSU. Well, I remember, of course, the quarterfinals against Oral Roberts and the semifinals against Denver. You, I'll be honest, you kind of had to bail them out a little bit. Those games were closer than people thought they were going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, the Denver game, I, I just laugh about a free throw. That one free throw from, from uh, Joe Rosgate could have changed, you know, the outcome of a, of a lot of things in the years to come past that. So, I mean, I just remember, you know, us guys just sticking together as a team during some of those, you know, tricky times, us not thinking that it was a foul. And then, yeah, the Oral Roberts game, I still go back to George Marshall's three in the corner was the biggest shot of that game. And uh, I just, sometimes I relive the memories and have to go back and watch some of the YouTube videos just to kind of sit back and laugh and enjoy uh, some of the old good times. And then, of course, later in the NCAA tournament, you had that reverse dunk against Maryland. Yeah, that was not bad. You know, uh, not bad for a, uh, for a, for a guy from Kimmel, Nebraska, farm boy, um, I just kind of laugh about that, too, because people were like, yeah, we were definitely not expecting that from you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you, you, you proved you could dunk a little bit later, too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is your fondest memory off the court, whether it's with the guys or, or someone fondest off the court memory? Ah, man, I think that might be a tougher question than, than on the court. I'm trying to think because, I mean, I would... That's a that's a tough question. Um, you know, all the memories I've had with guys off the court are, are one of a kind, and a couple of them I probably wouldn't be able to share on here. But uh, this is a family friendly <laughs> podcast, Mike. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Um, you know, the guys I've built relationships with ever since I got to school, retelling you, Indian Tyson, Skyler Flat, and you know, those kind of were my guys when I first got to school here. And uh, a lot of memories I have with those guys. I'm, I'm trying to think some of the. Some of the funnest times, I think, I would just say is hanging out with those guys, hanging out with my teammates. Anytime we got together, I feel like we were always able to laugh about something. And, you know, just the relationships I built with those guys is something that I cherish every day. And, uh, you know, know that going forward, I, I'll still have those relationships, um, you know, wherever I'm at. All right, I got some quick rapid-fire ones for you. What is the best place to eat at in Brookings? <sighs> yeah, Cubby's, Cubby's is definitely the, the go-to place. Um their uh, their their food is 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 great. I think they have a great variety of food, and I would definitely say that I chose to eat there more than any other place in Brookings. You're supposed to say Applebee's. They have your burger now. Come on now. And Applebee's. Sorry, Applebee's, but and Applebee's. They do have the great dominated burger now. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite spot on campus besides Frost Arena or the practice gym? Oh man, um, definitely the Union. I would say that. I would say that just going and chilling in the union was, was like, for some reason, like what me and Reed and those guys kind of just used to do. We'd just go there and chill, whether it was in between classes or if we weren't at the gym shooting, we would, we would just go sit around and talk about some, some things there. Best nickname for you besides Dominator. Have you even had another nickname besides Dominator? Oh, man. I had a bunch of nicknames. I mean, my old, one of my old teammates my freshman year, Zach Horseman, just used to call me the detonator. Um so that was that was kind of a unique one. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a couple. I mean, not really no nicknames, but I know there was a couple articles. Like one article called me Jim Dom, so that was a good one. Um, I know that I got kind of called the Husky Kid one time. But that was high school. That was before you got to college, right? I don't know, but I don't know. I still got kind. Of, I still got kind of called that a little bit. Uh, you know, my freshman sophomore year. Oh man. So. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other ones, but uh, those are those are probably a couple that stick out in my mind. Detonator, detonator, dominator. Those kind of go hand in hand. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. How long have you been perfecting your Borat impression, and why Borat? Oh my gosh, um, I think. You know, one night I think it was me and Reed, and we just started watching that movie. It was on, it was on, you know, I don't know, TNT one night movies, and I think we just watched it. And and you know, we've seen it before, but I don't think we really sat down and just listened to how funny it was. And um, I'm not gonna lie, there's probably a good chunk of the day of of every single day that me and Reed will just go back and forth and start talking like Borat to each other for a good 20 minutes. So I would say I get practice talking like it every single day. So, uh, so obviously that that was fun as teammates, but but last year when he's technically you know a coach and and you're still a player, are you still doing Borat impressions back and forth, or do you have to keep oh, a professional oh, on the no, court? Yeah, no question, no question. I mean, there would be a couple of times I'm gonna run over to the bench and Reed would just say something like Borat. I mean, I I don't think you'd comprehend, but I'd laugh a little bit, and then <laughs> I just I just be thinking about that, and then I think it I think it helped me play a little better when Reed would give me some encouragement talking like Borat. All right, I'm going to have you do your Borat impression to answer this next question. Your fa- okay. your favorite show on TV right now and your favorite TV show of all time. Okay. Hello. If I'm not to be here, my name is Borat Dom. I come from Kazakhstan. Great. My favorite TV show on the television right now would be uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, that's a great show. It has very funny people in it, and I make them laugh. And uh, my favorite uh, funniest TV show of all time would probably be the SpongeBob SquarePants. I hear a yellow sponge, and hear soak up water, and have very funny. I got the golf clap in there. Very well done. <laughs> very, very well done. All right. All right. I, you and I have talked about this in the past, but but the best SpongeBob episode, it, I personally, it's down between two. It's either the pizza delivery one or the band geeks one. Which which one of those two would you pick? Oh, man, I got to go with the pizza delivery one. Oh, of course. The Krusty Krab yeah, pizza is the pizza like, for you and me. Yep. It is. It's just a classic, and, you, you know, you just can't get over the, the driving rock in that game. It's and, not just a boulder. Episode. It's a rock. Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that that definitely is one of the most classic episodes. All right. Back when we at Midco had the old Jackrabbit Journal show, we would sit you and your teammates down for kind of these interviews. And yeah. I always would ask every person who's the smelliest teammate. And every single person, I kid you not, said Ian Tyson. So is Ian Tyson <laughs> still the smelliest teammate you've ever had? I'm sorry, Ian, but I have to ask. Yeah, sorry, Big Cat, but yes, he definitely is. Um, you know, I think he might have changed his ways, you know, ever since talking to him now, but he's definitely still the smelliest dude. I swear sometimes I can, uh, I just will walk around the locker room or walk around our house and I just get a whiff of it. I'm like, oh man, that's Ian right there. <laughs> uh, once again, our apologies to Ian Tyson. All right, you've <laughs> mentioned, and, and I think everyone knows how close you are with Reed telling Houston. So this is a three part question. Between you and Reed, who would win a three-point contest, who would win a slam dunk contest, and who would win one-on-one? Um, okay, so I'm definitely taking the three-point contest for sure. But I'm going to give Reed the dunk contest, but there's a time period. When Reed was a freshman to his sophomore year, before he really became an old man telling him, um, he would have beaten me in a dunk contest. And then I would, I would definitely take him one-on-one. So you would take the three. I suppose you did pass him for three pointers during this last season yeah, for career three pointers. He, he 
he threatened me a couple times to uh, try to take me out before I got close to breaking his record. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of these contests, you're, you're kind of your last official thing in a Jackrabbit uniform. You got to go to Minneapolis during Final Four weekend. You participated in the three-point contest, but I think – what most people remember, you were a key part of the dunk contest. You pulled <laughs> the right side of southeastern Louisiana guard Marlon Veal up for what he called the bug on the windshield dunk. How did you get involved in that? Did he just need someone tall to pull him, or, or how did that even get started? Yeah, he just he just came up in the shooter on the night before, and he was like, yo, he's like, can you and CJ Mossberg from uh, Buffalo just help me out? And we're like, sure, like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well... He goes, I'm pretty much just going to have you guys throw me up over some people, and I'm going to grab the ball and dunk it. And we're like, all right, like right, let's practice it a couple times. So we kind of got it down. It was just, it was funny, random how he asked it. He goes, he was just like, I just need to get the crowd on my side right away. And he goes, I think this dunk will win him over. So it definitely was one of the most unique dunks that I've seen and or, uh, you know, have been a part of. Yeah, and that's very cool because, again, you were a part of that because you have to – that's not just pulling. you got to get the timing and the, the everything right, and you got to kind of push him up and stuff like that. How many times did you guys practice that? We only practiced a couple times. Um, you know, I think we I think we, we uh, got it down so quick that, you know, we didn't really need to do much more, and we were able to just, you know, kind of pull it off. We got our, our uh, timing set of how we were going to do it, and, uh, you know, he just kind of gave us a little countdown, and we were able to just kind of chuck him up there. Very, very cool. Well, obviously, as I mentioned, that was kind of your your last official duties in a Jackrabbit basketball uniform, obviously preparing right now for a professional career, whether it's in the NBA or otherwise. So what are you doing right now to get ready? What, what was kind of because you declared for the draft last year and came back. What was kind of told to you last year to improve on? What are you kind of doing now as far as workouts and, and other things? Yeah, for me personally, um, you know, it's going to be me going into, um, you know, a team and, and just being able to accept the role that I'm given. And I know that, you know, my shooting ability will definitely help me reach the next level. So a lot of what I needed to work on was just quickness, foot speed for defense, and then, you know, just having a quick shot release and making sure that, you know, I can shoot over contested people. Um, so right now I'm, I'm actually just chilling in Brookings, uh, finishing up, you know, getting my apartment moved out, and then I'll take off for Phoenix in the next couple of days um, to head out there and start training. And uh, a lot of it is just going to be trying to perform game realistic shots, you know, making sure that my range is, in, you know, still continuing to increase so I can shoot, you know, from way beyond the arc and uh, things like that are just kind of my main focus right now. So what is it about Phoenix? Is that just kind of where, where draft prospects kind of congregate to do these workouts right now? Like, are you working out with anyone in particular or these private workouts or group workouts? I guess sort of to discuss that. Yeah, so for me, uh, I, I take off out there. Um, you know, Phoenix is a is a great spot. Um, you know, and I've known a lot of guys in the past who have gone there and say how great it is. And, you know, kind of through this agency I've signed with, that's where they send their dudes out to these guys called Playmakers. Um, and then I, it is kind of group workouts. You know, you go through, and, and the great thing about it is it's there's not too many guys, so it gets real individualized where, you know, the trainers are able to spend time with you and, and really help you on what you need to do. So for me right now, I actually don't know any of the guys that are out there yet. Um, you know, the next couple of days, I'll obviously be able to meet them and, and figure out who I'm working out with. Are there any other camps or workouts besides Phoenix you're you're going to be going to before the NBA draft? Or is Phoenix pretty much going to be your home for the next two months? Yeah, Phoenix will Phoenix will pretty much be my home the next couple of months. You know, good Lord willing. Um, hopefully I, I'm able to get that combine invite. So I'll get to go out there to Chicago. And, uh, you know, like I said, if I get that invite, I'll be able to go out there and kind of 
you know, get to show what I can do on a more, you know, bigger scale to these NBA executives and scouts and GMs. Um, and then from then on, it, it really will just be hanging out in Phoenix and working out until the draft. When do you find out if you get that combine invite? I believe it comes out within the next 10 days, I want to say. Okay, so you'll find out then. But but regardless of whether you get that invite or not, the, the focus right now is making sure that your body and your game are prepared for the rigors yep. of an NBA schedule. Yep. No question. You know, it's a, it's a long season and I don't think guys really realize that, you know, I've, I've got a couple buddies in the NBA now and, you know, just talking to them, you know, how they say, you know, 82 games, it's, it's no joke. You know, you're traveling on top of that, you're playing games. Um, and I think more than anything mentally and just having your body, you know, feeling good for those games is one of the, you know, one of the biggest components to making sure you're ready for the next level. And obviously, like you said, you know, that's where you're going to be working out the next couple months. You, you kind of mentioned it already, but I'm assuming you, you hired an agent and, and you're just sort of going through that process right now as well. Yep, I have. Um, you know, I was able to, you know, fortunate enough to um, sign by a good agency. I can't I can't say anything right now. Sure. Um, you know, <laughs> those guys wouldn't let me. But, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to get a great guy, build a relationship with him. Um, the past couple of years, I was able to, you know, kind of start that process and, and be able to get a feel for what it's going to be like. So when the time came, I knew I was going to be ready to go and I knew I was going to be, you know, picked up and taken care of. Well, we profiled you for our Midco Sports Magazine show way back in the summer of 2016 after your redshirt freshman season. I was fortunate enough. I got to go out to Kimball, see your childhood home. I got to talk with your parents, <laughs> kind of see the town that shaped you. I went to Vince's Corner. You told me to go to Vince's Corner, so I made sure to go there. So from Kimball, Nebraska to Brookings, you've obviously made such an impact on, on two areas of the country that most people consider flyover territory. So what does it mean to you to know that along with all of your work off the court, whether it's, you know, being nice to us in the media, signing autographs, you know, showing up at kindergarten classes, what, what does it mean <laughs> to you to know that basketball has kind of been the vehicle for you to make such a difference in, in two distinct parts of the country? Uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, for me to, you know, use basketball, um, you know, as a stage and as a platform for me to, you know, help, help people outside of basketball is, is one of the most satisfying feelings. Um, and I think that, you know, for me to be able to come to a community like Brookings and the community of Kimball, um, those guys accepted me with open arms. And, you know, I hope that, you know, in my years and my time that I've been at those places that I left it a better place than when I got there. Um, and building relationships is definitely, you know, just one of the biggest things that I feel like, you know, I've been able to do successfully and making sure, you know, people are always welcome to, you know, talk to me. I've never wanted to be standoffish. I've always wanted to make sure that I was setting, you know, a good example and being a good role model for these, you know, these young kids that are, are looking up to me. And uh, it's definitely one of the most satisfying feelings. Um, I mean, it just goes to attest how well I was raised. My parents deserve a lot of the credit for that because, you know, they taught me respect at such a young age. They taught me hard work at such a young age. And it's truly, you know, I, I really am just blessed to be in the position I am to have the kind of support that I've had from you know, the community nationwide, my teammates and everyone back home, um, you know, those guys deserve a lot of the credit for, you know, how I'm able to impact people today. Well, I've told this to you before, and, and I'll just say it again, you know, on behalf of me and everyone here at Midco Sports Network, we thank you for providing us, you know, some great content, honestly, for the past couple of years, <laughs> or just some great games, some unforgettable memories. Best of luck in whatever you do at the next level, and we'll be rooting for you back here in South Dakota. So thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. No, thank you guys for everything. It's It's been a tremendous five years. It's gone fast, but looking forward to the future, and I'm, I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you guys too. 
My thanks once again to Mike Dom for joining us. He's a very busy man right now trying to get workouts in and trying to prepare for his professional basketball career. So we really appreciate him taking the time to join us. And I said it on my Twitter account after South Dakota State lost to Texas in the NIT and his career was officially done that Mike Dom not only lived up to the hype, but he didn't become hardened or cynical by that. And what I mean is that he always had a smile on his face. He was always nice to us in the media. There wasn't an autograph he didn't turn down. There wasn't a picture he wouldn't turn down. It's very rare to find professional athletes, let alone college athletes or high school athletes, who are better people than they are players. And I don't say that with hyperbole. Mike Dom is just one of the nicest human beings you could possibly meet. And the fact that he stayed nice, the fact that he stayed humble, the fact that he was so willing to accommodate people, even as his profile skyrocketed, says something not only about him, but the way he was raised. And he alluded to it at the end of our conversation. So myself and everyone at Midco Sports Network wishes Mike Dom nothing but the best as he embarks on a professional basketball career. For more podcasts, you can go to our website, MidcoSN.com. You can also check out our podcasts on SoundCloud. Thanks for joining the Midco Sports Network podcast. Thanks for listening to this Midco SN podcast presented by Avera Orthopedics. To listen to any of our past episodes, go to midcosn.com slash podcast.